Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for Nightmare in National City, episode 16 of season 6 of Supergirl. And the topic for our podcast episode is the ways the relationships between women connected to this episode affect their ability to follow through on their dreams in positive or negative ways, particularly through like sisterhood and mentorship and how those roles sometimes intersect or don't in the case of <laughs> Nia and Maeve. And tying back to that question that we saw pop up in season one of like, can they have it all in that conversation with Kat and how does she do it? Kind of like we also see with Kara at Alex when she says, you will have all the things. That question of can I be fully myself and flourish in different aspects of my life? And how does one achieve that? Mm. And the question is actually even present with Nixley and the sort of voice of other Nixley kind of mentoring her <laughs> in a weird way, guiding her. And the voice says, I know you think all is lost, but you can have everything you want, <laughs> which is like something you might hear Kara or Alex say to each other. Mm. And then she says, and I know how. So are you ready to believe in yourself? Which takes us to, you know, believing in yourself, Nia, in this episode. Mm, yes. I really liked this episode as a bookend to Dreamweaver earlier on in the season where Nia was in a very low point of confidence. Mm. Related to that, they set us up a little bit for this episode last week because we talked about how the show used the piece of the score called Having a Good Sister. Mm. And we're getting ready to revisit that question in a bit more depth <laughs> in this episode specifically by looking at what's happened to Nia's family since we last saw her interacting with them all in season four. Mm. So if we think back to this question of what is a good sister, <laughs> according to the Danvers family, as we have seen numerous times. Quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> being a good sister or a good member of their family means you show up. Mm. You are there for the other people in their hour of need. Meanwhile, in the time when the Nall family really should have been showing up for each other, grieving mm. together when Nia's mom died, Maeve decided to just peace out. <laughs> uh, she literally ran away. She changed her name so that no one could find her. And then kind of like out of spite, she took all of the resources from their mom that Nia mm. might have actually needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> so for Nia, we've seen her talk a lot about how the loss of her mom has impacted her success as Dreamer or the ways that she perceived it has impacted her success as Dreamer. And she's talked a lot also about how she puts blame upon herself for her mom's death. Hmm. But the way that we haven't seen her address the loss of this mentor and her mother is through the unresolved resentment that she holds around not having her around and the circumstances that led to that fact. Her mom assumed that Nia wouldn't be the dreamer her whole life. Mm, yeah. In this episode, we see that bit of bitterness when she says, must be nice having something to guide you during unknown times to Maeve. And so this episode, Nia sees all the ways that having a mentor makes things easier easier for Maeve, such as like all of her mom's journals and research that Maeve stole off into the night. Her mother's necklace like very easily just lights up the places that they're supposed to go in the dream realm mm. and acts as that kind of guide in a sort of symbolic sense. And then later literally gives Nia a power boost. And then the medieval tapestry the whole backstory about her mom's life that Nia never got because they didn't share that dream connection together. 
And these are all things that could have helped Nia this whole time <laughs> that she was yeah. trying to be Dreamer. And instead, she had to do it on her own. And that's actually something we see Nixley kind of rub in. Mm, yes. When she says, well, nice move. Who taught you that one? <laughs> your mama or your sister, she says. Mm. And that takes us to the fact that also not having Maeve there to guide Nia because of her own jealousy did not feel great for Nia. And she's finally addressing the fact that, like, that wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. She says to Maeve, I had to learn these powers that I didn't ask for all alone. I needed you. I needed my big sister. Mm. Which is similar to things that we've seen Kara say, you know, as somebody with yeah. powers and like the little sister. Mm. <laughs> she said, I need your faith, Alex, more than anything. Yeah. But the other part that was fun with Nia there is that because of the level of the emotion of it, it also reminded me of Alex in the Black Mercy episode saying, you know, I need my sister. Mm. And being willing to fight for Kara in a way that Maeve has just abstained from. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's opted out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there were a lot of very interesting contrasts against and parallels to Kara's relationship with Alex in mm -hmm. Nia's relationship with Maeve, which... Is to be expected because one of the main reasons that Kara initially told Nia she was Supergirl and brought her in to help as a superhero was that she felt an emotional kinship there as being the younger sister and the sister mm. with powers and seeing, you know, that it has its ups and downs and it's difficult. The other thing that was interesting is like we see a lot the connection that Nia and Kara have. Which was kind of funny because that was the whole reason that like Cat Grant sent Nia to Catco. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which we'll talk about Cat a lot more in a bit. Yeah. But there's also a nice little connection between Nia and Alex that develops over the course of seasons four and five. Hmm. And the part where Nia says to Maeve that she always kept trying to make her happy kind of made me think about Alex feeling like she always had to protect Kara and keep her safe. Mm. Yeah. And the sort of burden there. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting because that also reminded me, you know, on Kara's end of the sort of identity piece and Kara being less herself because of Alex's influence. Mm. And it's interesting because the fact that this goes two ways in that way is a hint that there's more of a balance of like caring between them. Mm. But at the same time, it was painful for each of them to kind of abandon themselves in those instances. Yeah. And then the other piece there with looking at this episode versus the way we've seen Sisterhood depicted with the Danvers is you see, you know, Maeve with this intense jealousy and also somewhat, you know, a little bit of fear that her role and her purpose within her family has been shaken up or taken away from her. Hmm. And then I said to you earlier, there's like shame, too, in the sense that this incident with Nia has revealed all these kind of terrible assumptions that she just made about her hmm. life that have been peeled away and then they make her just look like a terrible person, which... <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, if you compare all those negative emotions that Maeve is displaying with kind of the way Alex lays her cards on the table early on in the series and says, you know, mm -hmm. it was hard for me to think that you were always going to be better than me mm -hmm. just because. And that, you know, you choosing not to use your powers and be who you were made me feel better a little. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, connected to that, Nia's sort of horrified face in this episode when Maeve is 
saying, like, I deserved the powers, basically. <laughs> it was reminiscent for me of Kara's face when Alex was like, you can't ever do that again. Basically mm. saying she can't be Supergirl yeah. in the pilot episode. That sort of rejection of identity. And then, of course, in Alex's case, it was coming from a different <laughs> Yeah, place. a very different place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's less about the, like, the deserve part of it, mm. which we think about that was, like, such a Wonder Woman thing huh. it's not about what people deserve it's about what's right <laughs> which is nia's conclusion <laughs> kind of in this episode but yeah the part with mave and the way she goes about doing that she helps nia but she only helps nia so that she can like take advantage of her in the same way that nixley did mm. and harness the dream power well i think it's a bit of a mix but yeah yeah there were some other kind of interesting parallels in Maeve's behavior and the choices of words that she used in this episode. <laughs> mm. Like when she finally genuinely apologizes to Nia and says she's sorry for everything she did up to attempting to steal the totem and abandoning her and the horrible things that she said about Nia's identity as a woman. She says that she did it because, quote, I wanted you to be in as much pain as I was. Mm. Which sounded very familiar <laughs> because it's the same thing, basically, that Lena said to Kara in episode mm. 507. She said, I wanted you to experience what you did to me and feel what I felt. Mm -hmm. And it was coming from that same place of feeling like you kept something from me mm. and you made me feel embarrassed and like I was wrong. And now I'm mad at you and I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. Well, and then you contrast those two instances with like when Alex apologized to Kara and Midvale at the end mm. when she's like, I never want to hurt you, which also was similar to what Maeve said, like, I never thought you weren't a real woman. But the place again where Alex is coming from is like trying to make Kara feel better and assert that, like, I care about you. That's what's important, as opposed to Maeve. I mean, she cares about Nia. We can eventually tell that. But it's very much coming from a place of, please forgive me. I would like to have our sisterhood back. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of coming from a place of, please forgive me so we can just move on and like yeah. pretend this didn't happen. Get back to normal. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of what they've done with like the Kara and Lena stuff. And it's interesting yeah. because like Nia gets much more space to be like, no, I'll give you a second chance, but I'm not going to forgive you. Mm -hmm. And Kara like sort of had that, but didn't. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. Well, she had to get out as soon as she went through her sort of these are the reasons that you actually hurt me. Mm. She was willing immediately to like kind of move past them with Lena. And I think it has to do with the different places that they like Nia and Kara are in as people. Yeah, that's true. Related to like asserting themselves. Nia in that sense is a little bit further along <laughs> and, and kind of just now has gotten there. And Nia obviously had support to get there. She mentions it in this episode. If it wasn't for Kara and Brainy, I would have been completely lost. But the most important thing that they gave her wasn't related to like her powers. It was related to getting her to trust herself and to trust her abilities. Brainy has done that a whole bunch this season. Kara, when they first met, was like, so you're afraid to make waves? Okay, make them anyway. Make a tsunami. And and that sort of piece of, even if this makes you uncomfortable to like make other people uncomfortable, it is like who you are. So, you know, go for it, basically. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, and Kara also stepped a little bit into that sister space, Mm -hmm. which Nia was looking for. Yeah. That sort of sister mentor energy. Yeah. Both as Kara and Nia as friends and co-workers and then also as Supergirl with Dreamer. Mm -hmm. And so that was really nice to have in Nia's storyline because the show has spent a decent amount of time throughout the course of the series exploring how Kara's original value of blood bonds us all Mm -hmm. that came from Krypton has matured into her new understanding of it, which is love bonds us all because Mm -hmm. her Earth family feels like a family to her. Mm -hmm. And the contrast there with looking at Nia and Maeve as these biological sisters who have a shared history for like the whole of Nia's life. Mm -hmm. And yet, despite Nia saying, you know, you were my best friend, Maeve is ready to bail the moment she feels overshadowed or threatened, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which one would not assume of a best friend or, you know, (laughs) or a sister, a sister. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you compare that with Kara and Alex, who started out as only children trying to figure out what sisterhood meant. Mm. And it took a lot of work. And because it took a lot of work and they came to that understanding through kind of like mutual agreement. They're very protective of it Mm -hmm. and they don't like it when other people threaten it and they (laughs) will fight very hard to keep that space for each other. Yeah. Which like from Nia's point of view, think like Maeve was ready to throw it away. (laughs) A hundred (laughs) percent. And then Maeve, when we see her reaching for the dream totem, thinking back to Nia in Dreamweaver, where she was in a place of such desperation that she thought she needed her mom's guidance. And she has Mm -hmm. that vision where the younger version of Maeve literally asks to take Nia's powers from her (laughs) and Mm -hmm. gets burned by touching them Mm -hmm. in the exact same way that happens here when Maeve goes to take the dream totem. You know, at that point in that episode, Nia's still not confident in her ability to use the powers or understand what they mean. And she still feels like it's her fault that mm-hmm. everything happened with her family. Like, you know, that that was why her mom died, that that was why her sister is estranged from her. Mm-hmm. And she felt really guilty about it and horrified, especially because it was like this baby-faced version of Maeve from their childhood. (laughs) Yeah. But here in this episode, she's seeing the situation for what it is. And Mm -hmm. she's finally like, no, you know what? I'm done blaming myself. Kind of like Kara did in the 100th episode with Mm -hmm. Lena, ultimately. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault that you are doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Nia says to Maeve basically all the things that she's been feeling ever since she got the powers, especially this season of like, so what do you want me to say? That you should be the dreamer, that I don't know what I'm doing most of the time, that I'm in over my head. But, you know, the next breath, she stands her ground and is like, no, this is how it is. (laughs) Yeah. She asserts herself despite that lack of help from Maeve and from her mother. And we see Nia assert herself in many ways throughout the episode with regard to being Dreamer. When like Maeve is like, did mom teach you how to do this? And she's like, no, I figured it out all by myself. And in that big speech that Nia gives toward the end, like, you don't think I'm a real woman? Well, I don't care. I know who I am. I'm the Dreamer. Mm. Which reminds me a lot of Jean's scene in season four when Mm. he says, I am the Martian Manhunter. Yeah, which is interesting, too, because he is feeling lost without his father. Right. That's true. Yes. And he has that kind of like communion with his father's spirit in the same Mm -hmm. way that Nia's like, I need to talk to my mom. Yeah. And then his father challenges him and says some like hurtful things to him so that Jean will eventually be like, no, yeah, (laughs) not cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the other piece I liked about that observation is that there is 
this nice little relationship between Nia and John because of the different mm-hmm. kinds of mind powers that they've built a little bit since season four. So that was fun. Yeah, that's true. And then also kind of similarly to that scene with Jean in season four, where the beautiful Martian Manhunter motif sort of swells dramatically. And then in this episode, Nia's like dreamer theme plays at various points to emphasize the ways that she's very much come into her own. Mm. Like when she flies up into the dream realm sky. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was a cool visual. It was, yes. And Nia asserting herself is present again when she's fighting Nixley, actually. She's like, this is for using me, which is a different perspective than she initially had with Nixley. She blamed herself very much. And then she says, and this is for hurting my friends. And Nia here is sort of protecting those who have guided and helped her, but also stepping into a position where she's confidently protecting them, as opposed to like maybe feeling like she doesn't deserve to be a superhero. Mm, Yeah. And so Maeve like eventually supports Nia. And she's like, but seeing you today, your abilities, your selflessness, you are the dreamer. You always have been. And it reminded me of earlier this season when young Alex said to young Kara, you were amazing today. How you handled those bad guys, how you handled yourself. You should be proud, Kara. I am. Mm. So Maeve is attempting (laughs) to reach the level, but she's got a way to go. There was an attempt. There was an attempt. (laughs) But Nia does not forgive Maeve. You know, she admits that she wants to have her sister back and takes that step of like, all right, we're on the road. But she's not sacrificing herself in the process. Mm, yeah. Which is good and growth. It is. And then speaking of uh, self-sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have Cara Danvers. This episode, with reference to Cara, Kat is actually mentioned three times. And specifically with regard to Cara's reporting and that mm. side of her life. Yeah. And it's fitting because Kat was the one who initially pushed Cara to recognize what she really wanted as a career as Cara Danvers, that being reporting. And she pushed her to aim higher than what she was going to do and to go outside of her comfort zone. And basically, too, as Kat would later say, dive. Mm. She gave that speech about, like, we all get used to our own personas and we're used to our own comfort zones. But trust me, in order to live, we must keep daring, keep diving. And diving was the reason for Kat's exit in season two from the show. And it's also the place that we left younger Kat in the prom flashbacks this season. Mm. In both cases, Kat was leaving her current position and taking a risk in the hopes that there was more out there for her. Yes. And in both cases, she was correct. There was more out there for her. (laughs) Yes. Which is like hope. (laughs) Hope. Yes. Hope in that sense. Hope for (laughs) Kara. Yeah. And Kara in this episode is actually initially diving in as a reporter from that place of personal development, which is the very specific way that Kat always challenged Kara mm. as Kara Danvers and as Supergirl. And that's a role that hasn't really been filled since Kat left. Correct. Yeah. Kara here is like following her dreams and taking healthy risks. She says, so I went out on a limb and asked Kat if she'd be willing to introduce me to the president and prime minister. And she said, yes. And then Andrea is like, we will have a full crew to support your broadcast. And Kara has this like kind of scared face for a second before she like settles into being happy, Mm. which reminded me of a line from the pilot that Kara says to Alex 
I almost forgot how to fly. Well, not so much how, more how it feels. Like scared, but good scared. And Kara was good scared here. Kara in this episode is actually in touch with her like long-term aspirations. She says, I just remember being so moved that a reporter could be a part of something so momentous. Mm. Going back to that sort of moment previously in her life where she was inspired. Yeah. Well, and especially when she's talking about preparing for this interview and why she wanted to do it. She references something that happened before, like, most of the characters were alive. So (laughs) there was, like, a very nice hint of the level of passion and just, like, sheer nerdiness Mm. that Kara has for (laughs) journalism. That was really nice. Yes. And in that line is something that drew Kara to Kako to begin with before she sort of felt stuck in the pilot. She said, I thought working in a media company run by a powerful woman who actually shapes the way people think would be the way that I could make a difference. She was drawn to that shaping the way people think. And that's what she's sort of getting to do as a reporter now. She says, like, that it will show, most importantly, how when people really set their minds to it, real peace is possible. And in that way, kind of fulfilling this sort of prophecy of the hope totem, which was inspire a hope that burns longer and brighter than the sun. That was a way that she could take what happened, the removing of the nuclear warheads, and and turn it into something meaningful. And Kara, just generally in this episode, is being challenged in a stimulating way, where she's like really excited in a nerdy way. She has a big smile for a decent chunk of the episode in a way that we have not seen <laughs> for a while. Yeah, in a long Kara. time. <laughs> yeah. And she's challenged in, in that way as opposed to the sort of exhausting way that she has been challenged as Supergirl as of late. And it gives her the chance to grow as a person as opposed to feel like she's boxed in. But then, you know, because of her Supergirl duties, she stops taking those healthy leaps as Car Danvers and does not take risks as Supergirl for understandable reasons. We have like a literal nightmare monster show up <laughs> to crush her dreams. <laughs> yeah. And Kara skips out on her interviews twice because she understandably is not willing to risk like National City blowing up. So she's more trapped in there. And kind of like Alex with Eliza, Kara has had female mentors, including Alex, when she was young as a mentor in the way of like showing her what the world is like who encouraged Kara to prioritize her roles in a very specific way. And season one was foundational for Supergirl in the way that Kara's Earth childhood was foundational for Kara Danvers and the way that being sent to Earth in her pod to protect a baby and to carry forth Krypton's legacy at 13 was foundational for (laughs) Kara's Zarel. So for each of these identities, Kara receives the message from primary women in her life that she's not like other people and she doesn't really have the same kind of leeway that they do to make mistakes. But she also has their support and also receives more positive messages about like her humanity. And we see the ways that both of these dynamics are present in this episode in how Kara thinks, like her diving in as a reporter, Alex trying to help Kara have like Kara Danvers things, but then also Kara taking on the weight of the world as Supergirl. Yeah, well, and to look back at the start of the series, and we talked about this a little bit in the reason why the courage totem took Kara to that moment on the plane and not a point before or a point after. Kat has played such a big role in helping Kara define who Supergirl is and in some cases, defining it for her. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll say, yeah. And so, like, Kat has pushed Supergirl to be better in ways that helped her grow, definitely, and in ways that Kara was kind of, like, 
begging for a mom figure to give her advice the the (laughs) way Nia was this season. Yes. (laughs) But it also was sometimes Kat pushing Supergirl in ways that fed into Kara's belief that she doesn't get to have her, quote, normal life. Mm. Like in Falling, when Kara confronts Kat under the influence of the red kryptonite because she's resentful of some of the things Kat has pushed her to. Mm. Kat says, yeah, but you don't get to be a real person. You're a superhero. You get to represent all the goodness in the world and very clearly defining how she sees Mm. this role for Kara. And then in this episode, we see William talk to Kara as a colleague on the balcony of truths at Catco (laughs) and say, you know, today was a bad day and you're allowed to have those every once in a while. And Kara's like, I don't know that I am, which we talked about last week Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because we don't know that she is either. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard question. It is a hard question because there's so many potential ramifications to her making mistakes in some contexts. Like you think back to early season one where she tried to rescue that ship and leaked oil into the harbor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we also see her reflect that mindset at the end of the episode when she gives the speech to National City. For me and my friends, failure is not an option. <sighs> yeah, which is not the same as saying, like, I'll do anything no matter the cost <laughs> to other people. Like, mm. I did see some people interpreting it that way and kind of making it out to be something negative about Carr, but that's not the mental state she's in Mm -hmm. she's in a point where she's really blaming herself for making mistakes and being like i will be never making a mistake again right (laughs) yeah uh, as she sometimes visits (laughs) yes it's a headspace she returns to on occasion and it is one she shares with her sister so (laughs) sisters share (laughs) sharing is what good sisters do and then in episode 109 conveniently blood bonds Hmm. cat finally confronts Kara over her suspicions that Kara is in fact Supergirl and she basically tells her like she's not allowed to have a life because every minute that you waste playing assistant in here is a minute that someone out there is not getting saved and she's Mm -hmm. ready to fire her Mm -hmm. which is interesting in what it says about the relative value Kat places on the job Kara does for her (laughs) when you think that a few episodes before that she was like no she's excellent at her job like Mm -hmm. and she appreciates Kara and Kara's lasted longer in that role than anyone else Mm -hmm. but also that she just thinks it's insignificant compared to what Kara can do with her powers and you know, that's been the struggle for Kara a lot is mm-hmm. how much do the powers define who she is and what she should do versus yeah. how much do her intrinsic qualities as a person <laughs> give her the room to decide what she wants to do. And it's interesting because in that episode, Kara actually had to like fight to keep her job, mm. which is not something she does in this episode. No. Contrasting with like Nia, who does fight for her own identity. I mean, it's interesting because even Kat's like good advice gets sort of roped into Kara's self-perception in this negative way that we are seeing. Kara goes on the Kako balcony, you know, like we've seen her do with Supergirl, with Kat many times. And William tries to offer Kara Danvers Mm. advice that Kat would potentially give, which is you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. And Kat's original quote was actually like, How do you juggle it all? You learn. That's how. You start with two balls before adding another. And then she says, when Kara asks, so you can have it all? Of course, just not all at once and not right away. 
Yeah. And the point of that was the same thing that a lot of young people go through when they're emerging in adulthood. It's like older adults seem to have it together. Why am I failing at everything? (laughs) It's just over time you learn how to balance the multiple demands that life Mm -hmm. throws at you, but you're you're not good at it right away. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, Kara, if her face (laughs) and next choice is any indication, takes it very much as like you have to give up the thing that you want. Basically, you can't have two things that you like at the same time, <laughs> which is not quite what Kat meant by that. She emphasized the part of it that's like, you learn how to juggle the things. Mm. And one of those things is delegating. <laughs> yes. It is interesting, though, because she talks about in terms of the juggling her career and then adding in being a successful mom. Mm. But you think about she wasn't initially and she did give that up. Right. Oh, that is interesting. And then she had to take a break and try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she messed up at first. Mm-hmm. And William also gives Kara a bit of advice that Kat might give about pursuing one's goals. So maybe ask yourself, what does Kara Danvers want right now? When you figure that out, all you have to do is not stop until you get it. Mm-hmm. And they very deliberately made sure he said, what does Kara want? <laughs> yes. Kara then immediately like listens to her values <laughs> instead of like her dreams and her personal wants and full on quits her job. <laughs> it's like, that's, yeah, not, you that's know, quite... definitely what she wanted. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like instead of maybe saying to herself, OK, right now I need to take care of this thing. And then I will come back to this being more prepared to juggle both things and being like, I want to have both things. How do I get there? Would be maybe the question of like yeah. her pursuing what she wants and not stopping until she gets it. And it's at a point where it's not just like she feels thinking back to, you know, how she said in the prom flashbacks about feeling stuck. And like she's stuck, but she, her mindset is also stuck. Like she's not even thinking, OK, how do I get to a place where I can have mm-hmm. the thing? She's just like, I have to give up one forever yeah (laughs) which is very much i think you know the trauma of the phantom zone Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so like alex always makes the hard choice in sacrificing herself for her family something that eliza with the help of jeremiah help in quotes encouraged in her Kara makes the hard choices as supergirl like in this episode alex defers to Kara with regard to a hard choice like to put up this big dome or not and Kara obviously leaves her job to be Supergirl full time, which is a hard choice. Kara said about like sending Monel into space, I will always make the decision I made. But like Alex and Eliza learned together, like maybe there are ways to ensure that she doesn't have to always make that choice. Mm. The other thing is too, like again, like it's a hard choice, but it's also a comfortable choice. Mm-hmm. In a way. And it reinforces that feeling that she expressed in 608 about feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. She's pushing away the things that might make her happy because it's hard. Yeah. Well, kind of like season three. Yeah. And, you know, tying into the courage totem, like that, the reasons that was a courageous choice. Yeah. And then the other piece of it here is that Kara, she's not delegating, which is like another piece on the leadership path that she maybe needs to develop. Mm-hmm. As Supergirl. Yes. She <laughs> is able to as Kara Danvers, as we see. Yeah. But there's also a piece missing where we saw throughout this episode, everyone's kind of deferring to Kara and mm. pushing her to make all the decisions, both as Supergirl and to some extent as Kara Danvers. Mm. 
Whereas Kat, even in situations where she would maybe give Kara some critical feedback (laughs) about how she was doing as Supergirl, she would still look at a situation and step in to help. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a bunch in our podcast episode we did on mentors and mentor figures for Kara and Alex, which was episode 49, if you want to go back and listen to it. And within that episode, we talked about how a good mentor is involved in the learning and growing process with you. It's not just a one directional, like, I'm passing on my wisdom and now you go forth and do the things. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And one of the really clear places we see this is in Human for a Day, episode 107, which is possibly the last time Kara took a break (laughs) from being (laughs) Supergirl for any length of time, um, which, again, was not by choice. (laughs) Yeah. And she hated it because a disaster struck immediately and then she had to feel helpless in a way. She has been traumatized by feeling helpless Mm. in her whole life. So it was not a good thing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) This isn't somebody like, oh, Supergirl can take a day off and then immediately. Literally, yeah. She and James were talking and he was like, yeah, the city can live without her for one day. And then... chaos broke yeah loose. so like literally no wonder it <laughs> feels this way speaking of like alex's the universe was striking me down for being happy like Kara literally <laughs> thought she'd have like one day to just relax and mm. instead like watch people die in front of her and, yeah uh, was Relaxing like well day. we're never doing that again <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it was really interesting in that episode that both max lord and cat grant had kind of a similar point that they wanted to make about Supergirl and people relying upon Supergirl. Mm. And Kat finally says in conversation to Kara as Supergirl at the end of the episode, you know, ordinary people are starting to depend upon you and it's easy for them to feel abandoned, which is like, you know, a trigger word for Kara because she she has abandonment issues. Yeah. (laughs) But the part about it that is really interesting is like Kat makes this observation But she also recognizes that if Supergirl is absent, other people have to step up Mm -hmm. and step into the void. Um, (laughs) And like Max Lord does it, too, in a much more cynical way. But it is thinking about, you know, power as the theme for this season. It was really interesting to go back and look at that episode again and see both of these characters as people with a high degree of power, whether it's Mm -hmm. social, whether it's wealth make the decision to intervene and help people as much as they Mm -hmm. could because Supergirl was not there. And the other thing Kat brings up in that episode is saying, you know, people are scared and they're looking for information and it's our job to help them, recognizing her role as the head of a media corporation. Mm -hmm. And that was such an interesting contrast because William says something very similar to that when he goes to the tower to kind of confront the super friends. And he's saying, you know, everybody's panicking. They need a calm, steady voice right now. Mm -hmm. But in this episode here in 616, everyone's kind of expecting Supergirl and Kara to do all of the work. Mm. You know, William says that it's really only Supergirl's voice that people will listen to. And then Andrea just doesn't seem quite sure of how to lead people out of this crisis because the media realm is foreign to her. Whereas Kat saw her role very clearly and was confident that she knew how to help in her own way. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, Supergirl's not here to bring people that spirit of hope, so I will. Right. Versus Andrea, who's like, you said this would bring people hope, so you got to do it. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, she was also fair that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because you know, Kara did say she was going to do it. But there's a piece where Andrea, like, she wants to believe that it's possible to inspire people, but mm-hmm. like, she doesn't know how. <laughs> <laughs> She's searching in the dark, you know. Yeah. The shadows. And you know, Kat's whole framing of it was that we want to highlight the fact that ordinary people can be extraordinary, mm-hmm. and it's kind of similar to what we talked about at the start of this season when Kara was stuck in the phantom zone and you know the legacy of supergirl is that supergirl inspires everybody else to try harder and and Mm -hmm. be strong and inspire hope in that way yeah well and that's what inspired Kara earlier this season with regard to like writing articles again Mm. like seeing the ways that the people of national city were coming together yeah and then the other piece which you mentioned about Kara and needing to delegate maybe a little bit (laughs) in her role as Supergirl, mm-hmm. is she has a whole collection of people now <laughs> with really, a variety yeah. of skills. And she's not asking for their help. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like she is in a way, like when they're solving a problem, but she's not saying like, I need a break for an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> can yeah. someone else handle a thing? Even when Alex is like, hey, you know, like we can take care of this right now. Mm-hmm. And the other piece is she's not asking for help as Kara in ways that are hard or like emotionally vulnerable, mm-hmm. which was kind of similar to when she quits her job at Catco in season three after her friends legitimately express concern about the fact <laughs> that she is depressed. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And you noticed a nice connection to season three with regard to Kara's language mm. and a circumstance we saw Kara in. In season three. This episode, she says, I'm drowning. And she very nearly drowns in the season three premiere because Mm -hmm. she is so narrowly focused on the Supergirl things and is expending all her energy to the point that she's just the spark is not there. Right. She's literally like sinking into the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only when she gets a vision of something that lets her feel like she isn't a failure mm. that she gets herself out. And it's because she felt like she condemned Monel to death. And so she kind of hears his voice and sees a little flash of that. And that's what pushes her to kind of be like, I should maybe stop drowning. Uh, <laughs> um, Let's get going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so she ends up quitting working at Kako in the season three premiere. Mm-hmm. But not for the same kind of reasons that she quits here in season six. Like, she's not quitting because she, like, allegedly doesn't want to be a reporter anymore. <laughs> like, she knows that mm-hmm. she still wants to be a reporter versus yeah. in season three where she's like, well, it was just a waste of my time. She's like in denial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming up with excuses. Although it is sort of driven by that same underlying thought of, like, mm. I'm not like other people. I don't get to have the things in season three she was like so i give up yeah on everything and in season six here she's like so i have to just be supergirl yeah the her headspace in season three was a little bit more just like defeated in like an angry way Mm. she's disillusioned with the world for her (laughs) yeah i mean and she's also she's angry with herself too Mm. in a way that here she's not she's just scared yeah But in part, she's also trying to make what she feels like is the responsible choice because her attention is divided and it is divided in a way that could become very dangerous for Mm -hmm. everyone. And yet (laughs) she doesn't choose to level with Andrea when Andrea gives her the opening of like, hey, I never question it when you do this or you go away for weeks and you come back with nothing. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in a way where, like, Andrea is a little bit concerned. Like, mm-hmm. what is happening here? Because 
we've seen those little flashes like with when Nia fell asleep in the meeting and Andrea was like, go home and take care of yourself <laughs> and then come back. Like, <laughs> yeah. And she's giving Kara the out to be like, yeah, I'm having a hard time. Like, <laughs> or, you know, letting her reveal anything of what's bothering her. Mm-hmm. And instead she's like, you're right. My attention's not here. So I quit. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, Kara, that's... And she's so shocked too. Like, yeah. She's like, wait. I... <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of similar to when in season three, Kara is trying to close off all the non-Supergirl parts of her life. Mm. But both in season three and here now in season six, she's taking away the pieces of her life that are like a mental break from Mm -hmm. all of the really intense things that go into being Supergirl. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to make her feel less overwhelmed by all of the things about being Supergirl that are a challenge. Yeah. It's just going to make her have no avenue to take a break from that. Yeah. Because, you know, she won't ask for help. (laughs) Yeah. And in season three, in that first episode, Alex actually tries to bring up Kat's opinion because she knows that it matters to Kara and to be like, you know, she would not want this. But Kara is too trapped in that narrative, like that she's not like other people. Mm -hmm. And then we see, like you said, in this episode, Alex also tried to help Kara. And Alex is like, we are not going to let that happen, emphasizing that, like, you have a team and tells Kara to go to the interview. And then Kara actually does take that step and look to Alex for help with regard to William saying, like, it has to be Supergirl. Mm. And Alex is like, well, I or Jean can do it. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's like, people need to hear from the girl of Steel herself. And Kara literally runs away (laughs) because it's overwhelming. And she has a hard time. This is the thing, like self-advocating and saying no in the face of arguments from others or like from her own brain in favor of like doing the right thing Mm. as opposed to the thing that she wants. And so for Kara, she has this push and pull of like, I have to be Supergirl only, which is a decision informed by, along with obviously input from like the women in her life, the trauma that she's experienced. Mm, Yeah. She says in this episode, like if we make one wrong move, it could literally be the end of everything. And A, she's not wrong. (laughs) And B, she has lost everything before. Yeah. And, you know, she, in episode eight of the season about the Phantom Zone, is like, what if that fear never goes away? And we're kind of seeing that it hasn't. Mm -hmm. And and that is informing her being like, I have to be this protector of the Earth all the time in this specific way. But at the same time, it is dehumanizing. Yes. Like, when she gets that call from Andrea saying, like, you're not here. Kara's face is like crushed, which reminds me of her face in that same pilot scene after Alex says it's not safe for you to do anything like that ever again. This idea like, Mm. I can't have it all. And actually, Kara retreats in that scene, too. She's like, well, I'm kind of tired. You should go. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this message that Kara is twisting the stuff that she hears into of like who she is doesn't have value. It's what she can do that matters. And she said in season two, reporting is my calling. I help people. When I write, I don't need a yellow sun. It's just me. Supergirl is what I can do. Kara is who I am. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a time when Kara, in her role as Supergirl, said, oh, man, that was better than flying. That was better than catching a plane. When she, inhuman for a day, was powerless and she talked down the robber in the convenience store, she took a leap and it was just her there without any powers talking to another person, which is when she is at her most Kara self Mm -hmm. in any of her roles, she's doing that, which is why her like hope speeches are so effective. Yeah. 
And in terms of like taking a leap and Kat as an influential figure, when she left in season two, she said, I'm about to take a leap into the unknown and I'm thrilled. <laughs> do you have any idea how exciting it is to not know what I'm going to do tomorrow? It's exhilarating. Cars like, I wish I could do that sometimes. Start something new. Be someone new. Which has always interested me as something from Kara, because like, what is she thinking about here? Mm. And Kat says, well, life is long. You will be many different people before the end. And knowing you, every single one of them will be extraordinary. Nicely echoing the message from Kara's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in a more well-rounded way. And, you know, it would be nice to have Kat around to give Kara direct advice that she can't like twist into her self-defeating narrative. And who would push back against Kara's decision in this episode and question it and probe it. But at the end of the day, the story, being the narrative and the show Supergirl, is in Kara's hands. And she's the one who has to take the leap, regardless of what the other women in her life are saying. Yeah. So that rounds out our thoughts on Nia and Kara and kind of the ways the different women and particularly female mentors in their lives have impacted who they are and how they're behaving in the present. And the ways that they pursue their dreams. Yes. Haha. <laughs> dreams. Yes. But related to that, we do have some kind of little observations. The first one of which you made, speaking of dreams, about Maeve. <laughs> Maeve reaching for the totem, the dream totem, with literally her finger like stretched out. Very much looked like Aurora pricking her finger on the spindle in Sleeping Beauty, which is cool because dreams. And also, <laughs> a couple episodes ago, I forget which one, a Tumblr user asked us to guess which Disney villain Nixley would next embody. And we said Maleficent. And I think I think that has happened in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So to shift gears a little bit, I would like to say that I kind of hate that Kara and Andrea's dynamic has gone and become a genuinely endearing and interesting <laughs> thing in the show so late in the story. Mm. But uh, I am living for those interactions because they are every time so interesting. I laugh. I cry. <laughs> I <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah, it is. Other just small things in this episode, Jean leaning into Grandpa mm. is so great just with how happy it makes him. Mm -hmm. And I had said to you, it kind of, to me, reads a little bit like Kara and sister in the sense that Grandpa is not a role that Jean ever had on Mars. And so mm. it's not like he's feeling a constant sense of loss. He can embrace it right. and just like genuinely enjoy it. And then also for Alex, Jean is a father figure. She also had a dad. Mm. But with Esme, she gets to just be like, this is your grandfather <laughs> and really cement him in that role, even though they very much make it obvious that Jean is like a dad to Alex. Yeah. Well, and it also leaves her with a little bit more room to like fully lean into that. Yeah. The like you're my dad feeling where like if you think back to season three, when she was thinking about her wedding, she was not in that place. Mm. And then related to the fam. There was a nice little sneaky, like, Alex emotional growth beat in this episode <laughs> when she was explaining why Kelly and Esme were gone and that they had gone out to visit James and experience a little bit of her childhood. But Alex actually says, like, if things are slow enough here, I'm going to go see them, mm -hmm. like, which is so optimistic for Alex. I know. <laughs> but the other piece of it is she's not, like, paranoid that something's going to go wrong because she's not there, mm. which, again, growth. Yeah. She's very confident that, you know, Kelly's got things in hand and that they can parent okay apart as well as together. Nice. Yeah. But also, like, then when her plans change, she doesn't feel like it's a sign that she can't have a family. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Which... Maybe we'll see that challenged in these mm. last few episodes. That is true. Yeah. One last time. 
And last observation for Nightmare in National City. We got the narration back for this episode. Yes. The intro. Yes. It was so exciting. And one line really stood out to me. Kara says, I hid who I really was until one day an accident forced me to reveal myself to the world. The forced bit where we've talked a lot about recently how Kara, it was an easy choice for her to save Alex's life. And then that opened things up for the harder choice of becoming Supergirl. And the ways that we may see that become relevant again in future episodes. Mm. Yeah. And the whole idea of Kara getting to choose versus feeling stuck in choices made for her actually goes all the way back to the pilot. So Mm. I'm now extra pleased that they are (laughs) starting to kind of pull all the pieces together. Yeah. If you even think back to her very first thing that she expresses to Alex about her job, you know, I didn't travel 12 light years just to be an assistant. <laughs> you know, she felt stuck as Kara and she felt stuck not being able to be Supergirl. So, yeah. Yay. So how can she have it all? <laughs> yes. We'll get to that point where she can have all the things. All the things. But more to the <laughs> point, she can have the things the way she wants them to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hope. So that's our episode. Next week is I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Which the <laughs> chorus from that song has gotten stuck in my head every time I've read <laughs> this title. That's how we'll open the next episode. <laughs> and based on the description, talking about, you know, Lex resurfacing and then also some plans Alex is making to put a ring on it, <laughs> that maybe the next episode is going to continue to build on this idea of how do I get to the place where I can have what I want mm-hmm. and how do I deal with the hurdles to that? So, yeah, that's exciting. Yes. And if you guys have any questions or comments about that episode, this episode, all episodes in existence, <laughs> you can send them to us at Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirls Attic. And thanks for listening. Thank you.